Well, today we're turning a page into a new chapter. Romans chapter 7. Many of you know we're getting ready to wade out into deep water. And uh, especially when we come to the latter part of this chapter. In my prayer, as I hope all our prayer is, that, that as we as we as best we can by the help of the, the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word to not come to passages that, that maybe we've heard things about and, and come and bring our own presuppositions and, and try to make everything fit our presupposition. Let's come and let the Word of God speak and, and as best we can and just trust and rely on Him to give us wisdom to give us knowledge, to give us understanding, because that's what we need. Before we even begin, let me just pray just one more time. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, Lord, we need you. We need you, Father, to pour out your spirit upon us, to, to, to give us knowledge, to give us understanding, to help us to to know exactly what you're saying to your people. And Father, we, we thank you that, that one day you called the Apostle Paul and that you have sent him on these missions and, and you have, by your Spirit, have spoken truth into him that he could write these letters that, that have been preserved through the ages that we still have and can still come to. So Father, help us. We need you, Father. We need you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, before we read any in chapter 7, I want to go back and let's set everything up to this point. We do that, in it, and this won't take hours. Uh, let's just look. Because up, up through Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Paul showed the hopeless condition of all mankind because of our sin against God. Up to that point. They had suppressed the glory of God in unrighteousness. They had exchanged the truth of God for the lie. They had failed to acknowledge God as the creator, but rather worship the creature or the creation. There is and was None righteous, say it, no, not one. Let, let, let's read the, the last two verses uh, I said down through 20. Let's read 19 and 20, Romans 3, 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore... He concludes, in light of everything that he had said up to this point, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. No flesh, no one, no human will be justified by just doing works of the law or by the law. By the law, as, as we've looked at through the weeks and through the months, is the knowledge of sin. How would I have known covetousness, Paul said, unless the word, the law, had not told me. 
So there comes the knowledge of sin. We'll be talking about that a little bit more. But all the world guilty before God, all held accountable under God's holy wrath, all continuing to treasure up, remember those verses, storing up wrath until the day of God's righteous judgment. How will anyone be able to stand before God in light of all this? How will anyone be justified in the sight of most holy God? Verse 21. Let's read 21 through 26. But now, (laughs) aren't you thankful for these but now statements in Scripture? Especially when it's like this. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath sent forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So here begins Paul's message of justification by grace through faith. No other way of being justified before God than by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans 5, verses 18 through 21. You know, we, we talked of the first man, Adam. We talked of the second man, Adam. We talked of sin coming through the first, but, but righteousness coming through the second. Let's read uh, verse, verses 18 through 21. Therefore... As through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. This was through Adam and his sin, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, this is Jesus Christ, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, Many were made sinners. How many? We talked about that last week. All, all. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All made sinners. So also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Again, how many? Well, all those who believe. That's how many. In verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, that sin might abound. And at first reading of that, you may scratch your head and say, what, what, what is that? That sin might abound. That that sin might be made known. And again, I go back to what Paul said. How would I have known sin unless the law had not told me? So so that sin might be made known, be made manifest, be made visible, uh, that, that it we might see the exceedingly sinfulness of sin. Let's keep going. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, superabounded. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. Our, our justification is of the grace of God, the free gift of God. God reckons us righteous and accepts us and keeps us, not because of deeds that we have done in righteousness, but because of deeds done by Christ in righteousness. Through one man's righteous act, him in obedience going to the cross. Not our righteous acts. All of our righteousnesses are nothing but filthy rags. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7. We read this often. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Paul's message of grace is the same, the same, the same. In Romans 3, 28, Therefore, we conclude, Paul says, that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. See, we are not saved by good works. We are not kept by our good works. It is all grace. From beginning to end, grace. From justification to glorification, it's grace. Then in chapter 6, Paul addressed the objection that would come to this message of justification by grace. We spent a lot of time on this months ago. Remember what the objection was going to be? Well, well, well Paul, it, if where sin abounds and grace then much more abounds, then, then the more sinning I do, the, the, the more grace of God will abound. Uh, if sin is going to be conquered by grace, then let's just go on sinning. You see, there's somebody's mind was turning. Hey, I think I can get by with some stuff here. You understand that? And people are yet doing that today. Oh, I, yeah, I think there's a loophole. No, there's no loopholes in the Word of God. Rest assured, none. Romans 6, let's read the first four verses. So here he, he answers the objection. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And the answer is, we can't. We can't. Oh, we may stumble into momentary sin, but we can't live there as a practice of life. We can't. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now let's drop down as he because he, he addresses it there in verse 14. He's going to address it again. Let's read this in verses uh, 14 through 18 in Romans 6. And this he's talking of the born-again believer, those dead to sin but alive to Christ. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law 
but under grace. And here it is again. What then? Well, if that's the case, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked <laughs> that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So Paul is dealing with the law over and over and over again. And in chapter 7, he is still dealing with the law. In chapter 7, he will refer to the law over 20 times just in chapter 7. He is still dealing with the law. He is contending for the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, he's driving home the fact that the law cannot save anyone. It only condemns. It is only by grace through faith that anyone can be justified. So, let's begin. Verse 1, chapter 7. Or, so he's continuing on with, with what he has just said. Or, and he makes this statement that he has said so often, do you not know? How many times has he said that so far as we've been reading? Don't you know? You know this. And then to bring it home even perhaps a little bit more, and, and I don't know, perhaps this was for his Jewish brethren, and, and it, of course it would have been for all, but maybe he says this in particular for them uh, because they were still struggling and with the law and, and how to handle all this justification by grace. Or do you not know, brethren? And then and he puts brackets, parentheses there. For I speak to those who know the law. I'm speaking to you guys. You guys, you, you know this. You know the law. That the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Okay. See, Paul states a fact that all reasonable people would have to agree. Correct? Any law, any law, has dominion, has authority, or is binding on a person only during their life, while they're living. I've read John Stott's. I'm not sure if I've quoted John from John Stott's commentary much, but here, this little portion seemed to bring this about very well. This authority of a law is limited to our lifetime. The one thing that invalidates it is death. Death brings release from all contractual obligations involving the dead person. If death supervenes, relationships established and protected by law are terminated. So law is for life. Death annuls it. Paul states this as a legal axiom, universally accepted and unchallengeable. End quote. Statement of fact. When death occurs, there is release from any authority of law. Now, I'm hoping in your minds your wheels are spinning 
uh, to the logic that Paul is setting up here. What, what, what did we hear in chapter 7? That we have died to sin. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And then Paul now gives an illustration. He, he, he gave us one in chapter 6. The, the, the illustration was between, between two slaveries. You know that. And now he, he is using marriage to illustrate a point. And that's all he's doing is using this to illustrate a point. So let's read verses 2 and 3. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Now, this is not an allegory as some people want to try to make it, where each piece is some symbol of all kinds of stuff. It's not. He's just making an analogy with the marriage law of the day to illustrate the point that he has just made that law has no jurisdiction over a person after he is dead. That's all he is using this for. Okay? Uh, listen, John MacArthur. Because your, your mind could get going off here on marriage and divorce and all the different stuff. Don't do that. Now listen, listen. This, John says, quote, This passage has absolutely nothing to say about divorce and cannot legitimately be used as an argument. It can't. I agree with John. There are other passages of, of Scripture that we go to in dealing with divorce and remarriage. And, it, and it's laid out very clearly. Uh, so this cannot be legitimately used as an argument to teach that divorce is never justified for a Christian and that only the death of his spouse gives the right to remarry. We can go to other scriptures and find that is not true, that there are provision for remarriage. Paul is calling attention to the fact that marriage laws are binding only as long as both parties are alive. When death occurs, it is perfectly legal and acceptable to be joined to another, end quote. You see, in Paul's Illustration, one remarriage would make the woman an adulteress while the other would not. Agreed? In his illustration. And what made the difference? Death. Death made the difference. Her husband's death made her free from the law. And that is Paul's point. Now let's go on. Let's go on. Romans 7 Verses 4 through 6. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. To who? To Him. To the Lord. To Christ, you see, who was raised from the dead. Now let me pause here for a minute. See, through Paul's illustration, he has implied that we were previously married to the law and so were under its authority. You have become dead to the law. In, in chapter 6, he said dead to sin. And, and I'm going to talk about that here in just a little more here in a little bit. But as death 
terminates a marriage contract and permits remarriage, Paul said we have become dead to the law, we have died to the law, we have died to sin, I believe is the same thing, having died to sin, having died to the law through the body of Christ so that we might be married to another, Jesus Christ. You see the illustration and see how he's weaving this in there. The one uh, through Jesus Christ, the one who was raised from the dead, in being married to Christ, having been placed in Christ, united with Christ, the law's curse or condemnation condemnation on sin has been taken away, dead to sin, dead to the law's condemnation. Why? Well, for a purpose. For, for, for a purpose. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. There's the purpose. That we would bear fruit to God. Verse 5, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit of death. And again, let me pause. Remember what Paul said in chapter 6. And we talked about this, I believe, last Sunday. What, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? Well, the fruit was lawlessness leading to what? More lawlessness, which the end of those things is death. Eternal death and eternal separation from God. We talked about that and read scriptures about that last Sunday. Now let's go on, verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held to. Now what had we been held to? What had we been captive to? Sin. See, we have died to what we were held to. You see, there's been a death so that there can be a marriage to another. Do, do you see? Do, do we understand? But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter so that we might be married to another him who died and rose again do, do, do we see do we understand the illustration that Paul is giving using this illustration of marriage see born again believers are no longer married to the law but are now married to Christ. And I'm going to say it that way because we are a part of the church which is what? The bride of Christ. So it's okay for me to say that, I think, because we are a part of the church, the bride of Christ. So now we are married no longer to the law, but are married to Christ through the church as a part of the church and, and Paul gives a picture of this, and, and perhaps some of you are already thinking about it there in Ephesians 5, uh, the, the picture of this relationship. Uh, let's read Ephesians 5, verse 24 through 27. 
Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You know, we, we read and we've talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb. When, when the bride of Christ, the church, having been made holy, blameless, and above reproach through the blood of Christ, is united together with the bridegroom, Christ. Remember that we became dead to the law through the body of Christ, that we, that you might be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. To bear fruit to God. What passage comes to mind when you're talking about bearing fruit? Well, let's read it. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and here's, here's the list. It's all-encompassing. This, this should be evident in every born-again believer that has the Spirit of God in them. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are, who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions. Death has taken place, dead to the law, dead to sin, that we might be married to another. Good. Do we understand? Paul also talked about this in fruit and work and in Ephesians 2. Let's just read verse 10 today. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are created, born again, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, and let's also, let's go ahead and look at Galatians 2. Verses 19 and 20. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Now let me pause. He's making the same statement again that we just talked about, is he not? A death has taken place. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God so that I might be married to another. You see that? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this mortal body, you see, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Now, here, here's what I want to do. is, what, is We're not going to delve too much deeper 
into this today. But here's what I want to do. I want us to look at the parallels between Romans 6 and 7. I didn't print out a paper that's got this on it. Perhaps you could write this in or, or something on your little sheet there. Uh, and, and you can go back and, and either listen to this or, or write it down later. Uh, we've already looked at, at uh, chapter 6, verse 2. We died to sin, and the, and the correlation, the parallel in, in 7, 4, died to the law. Died to sin, died to the law, parallel. Then, as we died to sin by being baptized into Christ's death in 6, 3, so we died to the law through the body of Christ, saying the same thing in 7, 4. So we got 7.3 and 7.4. As we have been justified and set free from sin in, in, in 6, 7, and, and 18, so we have been delivered from the law in chapter 7, verse 6. As we have shared in Christ's resurrection in 6, 4, and 5, so we belong to Him who was raised from the dead in chapter 7, verse 4. As now we live in the newness of life in chapter 6, verse 4, so now we serve in the newness of the Spirit in 7, verse 6. As the fruit we reap leads to holiness and sanctification, and where are I going to put this one up, Chase? 6.22. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, married to another, purchased, redeemed by another, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. Then in 7.4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that you should bear fruit to God. Did you see the parallels? Paul is, is emphasizing and establishing over and over and over again so that people may know. Don't you know? And it just by the Spirit and by the truth that it, He is being given by God, He is saying these things, saying these things. In chapter 6, two slaveries, all are either yet held captive by the slave master's sin, or you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God or of righteousness. In chapter 7, we, we have the illustration of two marriages, death ending the first and so permitting the second that we might be joined to Christ and serve the Lord by bearing fruit to God. Again, two, 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 only two categories. I would ask this way today, which of these describes you? Which describes you? Are you yet in your sin apart from a life with God? Are you held captive by sin, a slave to sin, married to sin, or have you been crucified with Christ? The old person of sin has died. We have died to sin. We have died to the law. We have been raised from our spiritual death and made alive in Christ that we might be married to Him and be a part of the body of Christ, the church of Christ. Have you become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to Him who was raised from the dead, so that you should bear fruit to God. So I pray the Holy Spirit would speak, speak to hearts that we might know, that we might know of which category we are in. In Romans 10, verses 9 through 13, we know this. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved, saved from wrath. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word and I pray that, that your spirit was speaking to hearts and minds much louder than my voice. Father, that, that should there be one, even here today, or perhaps someone listening at a later time, that is yet lost, they are, they are still held captive by sin, and they are apart from you, apart from Christ apart from saving faith. That, that, Father, through the truth of the gospel and by your great power and by your mercy and grace that you would open their eyes, raise them from their death and sin and breathe spiritual life into them that they might see you Father, most holy God, and in getting just a glimpse of you and your holiness, their sin would be magnified within them to the point to where they, they just fall before you, Father. And Lord, show them the rescue in Jesus Christ. Father, grant them faith that they might believe the gospel. Grant them repentance as as they would have no other recourse, Lord, than standing before you, most holy God, that they would cry out confessing their sins to you. So grant them repentance. Grant them faith that they might believe, turning from their sin and following Christ the remainder of their days. And Lord, for us who are born again, for those of us who have died to sin and the law and have been married to another Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Help us, Father, to daily bear fruit for You, fruit of righteousness, Lord. Help us to, help us to discipline our body, to, to not let our body be a slave over us, Lord, but, but discipline and make our bodies our slaves to do what we know to do according to Your Word. Father, help us to be diligent in our study of the Word. Help us to be diligent in prayer. Help us to be diligent in praise and worship. Lord, help us to have our mind fixed like flint upon You. Help us, Father, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.